0: most people who work in e-commerce have some pretty good numbers on their cv because everything's grown right so particularly as you scale and your job becomes more and more actually about hiring and getting the right people in you can do so much of that through building a kind of an audience and a network yourself it's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce
1: business Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. In this episode, we're covering something of a different topic. I don't think we've ever done this before on the podcast. We are talking about recruitment we're talking about how people are building e-commerce teams at the moment, what's going on in the space. There's loads of tips and ideas, so lots of practical stuff coming up in this episode, as well as some big picture, what the industry, what the recruitment space is looking like. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Do make sure you stick around for the top tips because my guest also has some brilliant book recommendations and some excellent other top tip answers as well. So enjoy. Would you like to be using an e-commerce platform that's not just delivering everything you want today, but that's creating the ecosystem that will keep your ambitions ahead of the curve? Then you need ShopLine a modern commerce platform built to empower you to achieve more. Want to know more? Head along to e-commerce Expo in London, where Shopline are exhibiting for a free demo and to get your questions answered. Find out all about that via our short link, ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. See you there. And if you're hearing this after eCommerce Expo, then don't worry, the link will be updated so you can catch up on all the highlights ecmp.info forward slash shopline Do you have a problem Only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash Tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash tech. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e commerce store. And now to introduce our guest expert. Andy Davis is an e-commerce recruitment specialist working for Vertical Advantage and Nurture Talent. They work across Europe, where he's helped brands big and small to grow their teams the right way, including everyone from Nestle to D2C brands making their very first hire. Hello, Andy.
0: Hello, Chloe. Lovely to be here. I hope it doesn't sound slightly too hyperbolic, but after listening to the podcast for a long time, I'm uh, pleased to be on it.
1: Always lovely to get a listener on the show. Um, so thank you for being here. And I hope it's not too weird that you actually get to converse with me rather than just listen. Because having been in been in the same seat as you, it can be quite I found that quite weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry. Not yet.
1: Not yet. Okay, cool. Excellent. So, Andy, how did you end up in e-commerce recruitment?
0: So I would like to say it was some kind of Grand master plan I had, and I was wise ahead of the time in getting into it when I did. But to be honest, it was fortuitous. I was recruiting in the FMCG space for kind of more traditional retail roles, sales, marketing, that kind of stuff. And we worked a lot with Nestle, particularly Nestle Purina, who came to us essentially and said, We're looking to build out a kind of digital center of excellence. Can you help? And, you know, like all good recruiters do. I said yes and then tried to figure it out afterwards. Um, so yeah, that was it really. We ended up doing a project with them hiring six or seven people into roles there, which then became kind of quite obvious to us that lots of people we work with were going to be doing the exact same thing. This is probably eight years ago and then just decided then to, that we would kind of go all in on on that area and focus on that. So
1: you did the perfect thing that we're always talking about in this show about actually listening to your own customers.
0: Yeah, exactly that. And the other perfect thing of kind of found a life for... for say you can do it and then figure it out afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, never say no. I'm terrible for saying no and then going two days later, oh, I could have done that. <laughs> I've never quite mastered that one, I have to say. But yeah, it, it is... You've got to trust in yourself, haven't you? Actually, no, we definitely can do this. I'll say yes. And then if it is a no, I can go back to the later and go no rather than... Anyway, that's a whole theory we don't need to get into in this episode today. So you've been... Doing e-commerce recruitment for about eight years now, it's just like everything else. It's changed a lot over the last few years. Dare we say the COVID word, the pandemic word, has changed changed that space massively. I've heard as well as that with the recession, it's looking quite quiet out there at the moment. So, what's the landscape looking like in e-commerce recruitment at the moment?
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and. An- not an easy one to answer, but also certainly not succinctly, but I'll try. But I, I think it is quiet, but it, it's quiet against the context of two years of phenomenal growth. So, you know, that was never going to sustain. It was always going to drop to some sort of, you know, level that is is approaching a bit more, more of long-term normality. Now, I think we're probably slightly below that at the minute. I think there is a bit less going on but i don't think it's as drastic maybe as people think and i think when i talk to a lot of people they come to us with slightly pessimistic views of what the market might be like based a lot on the news this year around redundancies now it's clearly had an impact but it's impacted tech a lot more than e-commerce and consumer which is where our expertise is so yeah i don't think it's kind of as doom and gloom maybe as as it might look like That being said, undoubtedly, you know, there's a lot of kind of common themes, which is salary stagnation after a couple of years of salary growth. And even in some cases, salary deflation, whatever the right way to phrase that is. But, you know, we had two very good years and there's a lot less of that around at the minute. If I'm talking from a recruitment company perspective, a lot of companies who have some kind of brand name and attraction in the market, all of a sudden this year find it a lot easier to get people to come directly to them than they have over the past few years. So for us, actually, as an agency, the biggest shift we've seen is probably away from a lot of the brands we work with in the past who are well-known, just don't really need us at the minute, to be totally honest. And we're probably doing work with actually some very interesting brands who are, you know, growing, profitable, successful but for whatever reason, slightly under the radar, slightly kind of in left field, random spaces. And so they're the ones that need us.
1: I guess it's the the obvious impact of having those couple of years of the land grab for e-commerce brainpower. And, and it makes totally logical sense that that shift would have happened with the recruitment agency side of things, but it's also just something that it would never have occurred to me. But Annie, I wanna ask you about something else to do with the COVID impact, which is this is something you were chatting about to me before we hit record, which I figure we just have to share with the audience, which there's a bit of, I think you're saying it was a discrepancy in value versus cost of, of skill sets in the industry. You're gonna explain it a lot better than that. So it, cause, cause it, I was like, oh, this is something I'd really wanna know about if I'm hiring a team last right now. So could you tell us a bit more about what this part of it is?
0: Yeah, you you repeating it back to me makes me realise that I need a, a catchier phrase. I, I did an economics degree, and the, the economist in me really comes out when you say a discrepancy of val, value versus cost. But yeah, I often actually refer to it as the money ball kind of theory of recruitment when I, if I'm talking to people or trying to explain it to people. And I think, I kind of presume most people will have seen Moneyball or understand the the premise, but, you know, basically kind of trying to find value where others don't see it maybe is a very kind of broad way of phrasing it. The one area where that really came to light for us over the past couple of years has been in the Amazon space particularly. And and I think it's relevant elsewhere, but I kind of use that as an example because it's a nice one. We saw a lot of Money in that space, flowing into that space in, in 2020, 2021. Amazon aggregators was a, a huge one, you know, billions of, of pounds of funding into that space, but also other brands scaling on Amazon, agencies growing, you know, it was uh, definitely a land grab for talent. And I think you can find in that space, as you said, huge discrepancies in what you pay for what you get. The obvious Area to look at here is like if you come from a big name brand, there's always a premium kind of price to pay. And I don't want to sound unfair to people from Amazon, but I think in the first two or three years that you work at Amazon, if you're trying to leave at that point, the compensation that they give people and the equity and all of the stuff that they get there means there's these hugely inflated salary expectations. And actually, you've probably, you know, you're part of an incredible machine and there's a lot of great process around you, but you probably haven't really kind of. Learn the kind of at the coal face whereas the comparison i always make is there are people out there who've either you know set up their own fba business done their own drop shipping stuff they might have toyed with it you know scaled to a couple of hundred k but don't feel like it's for them but they've they've had to go through every single part of that process you know they understand how to source a product they understand supply chain they understand you know all of the kind of optimization the flywheel all of that stuff that you need to do and i just think or even if they haven't come they haven't done it themselves but they've come from some really obscure random brand that has managed to grow you know a huge audience on amazon but you would have never heard of them they're just they've just done a brilliant job but they're probably undervalued in the market and in certainly in the last few years you've seen you know i would go as far to say some people on double the salary of others who probably you know the person on the lower salary can outmaneuver them when it comes to their kind of operational skills
1: you know, to make this something practical, you know, a, a thing that the audience can kind of take into their heads and go, okay, great, I can, if I take this this mindset, I'll be there. It's kind of like in the Moneyball film, and I haven't watched it in a while, so tell me if I get this one wrong, Annie. but essentially there's these players that everyone thinks are amazing, but if you actually look at the stats, there's other players that people ignore who are better at delivering the results for the end of the season. So if you, as a retailer, don't get wowed by the big brand names on someone's CV, actually really understand what you want, create a recruitment process that actually tests that they know what they're doing, not just can talk a good game, as it were. Mincing with the uh, the metaphor there. Is that what we've got to try and do is, is stick to what can this person actually do? And if we look beyond big names, then we're more likely to get value for money in the people we're hiring.
0: Yes. Yeah, without wanting to completely say that anyone who works for a big name, you know, brand is is overpriced. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people I know who'll be listening to this and calling me to to complain. But <laughs> yeah, I, I do think so, and I, and I, I am probably talking more about kind of earlier stage or scale up brands trying to to compete. And, and exactly as you say, I think. It's applicable on the individual level, but it's also, again, if we go back to Moneyball, it's about, yeah, how do you build a team without the budget that others have, but the component parts of that team can deliver or out-deliver the star names? And I think it's that truly understanding, as you say, how to build the process to look for that, but actually, like objectively what are the core things that we need and then trying to remove any other kind of bias that you might have around well there's an element of security because i know this person's worked for x brand who scaled this well and you know they were or they've got this name there's obviously some value in that but if you can look past that past the brand past where they've worked you can find numbers and people's kind of cvs and profiles that yeah you you probably would have ignored if you were only thinking about those things
1: yeah i think we've all had those friends is probably the right word colleagues who've (laughs) who've played the game well of the projects they were tentatively involved with on their cv to get their next positions but we've also all known the people who were the nuts and bolts of making something amazing happen who haven't played the game well enough and i guess what we're saying is we want you to find the ones who haven't played the game well enough maybe
0: yeah and I, th- I think also there is there is an element of horses for courses or different strokes for different folks. I don't know which one's the right phrase, but, you know, there is, if you're a, another thing that we we saw a lot of during COVID was big CPG brands launching D2C propositions, right? Because it was kind of the thing to be done. E-commerce is growing, you know, pressure off from leadership. We need, we need D2C, even if, actually maybe you know it didn't make a lot of sense but the way that a business like a big business builds a d2c function and proposition is completely different to you know a bootstrapped founder led you know five person business that needs to scale and i'm probably when i'm talking about this often thinking about that latter version but obviously there's there's still value in the other but if you're building a d2c business for unilever you're starting with loads of budget a lot of it's about project and stakeholder management rather than scrappiness and resourcefulness and and that's probably where what I'm coming back to.
1: Yeah and it, it, I always think that's a piece people sometimes miss out is that that mindset or where someone's happiest because I've certainly found over my career there are people who love being in a scrappy startup scenario and there are people who are amazing at doing the project and stakeholder management piece in a big business. Personally I find the latter unbelievably frustrating and I'd rather be in the former. But <laughs> It's finding people who are who are not just got the skill set, but who have also got the mindset to be in your stage of business. And I guess it sounds like at the moment that is more important than it's been for a long
0: time. Yeah, I, th- I think exactly that. There's always some kind of cross-pollination between the two in that as a business evolves, you need people who've been at the stage slightly further ahead of you but also if you're a bigger brand but you know that you need to be able to be more agile you kind of want people who've you know been in that in a startup environment but like there's a lot of bigger businesses at the minute who understand that to compete in e-commerce they have to be scrappier so they are looking for you know the talent from lesser known businesses or businesses who are smaller but have scaled you know but then their challenge is always can these people deal with the politics if you want to use that, you know, call it that bullshit, I was going to say, but you know <laughs> what I mean? One one or the other, but, it, but that, it works the other way around as well, right? You need, if you're a, you know, a business with ambitions to scale, You it's helpful to have someone who's been at the stage just ahead of you, right? We often get a series A business saying we need people who've been series B and C because we don't know what's coming and they do. So yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, there's always that, there's always nuance there.
1: Let's change tack a little bit. Let's get a bit more brass tacks, a little bit more practical. What does the typical e-commerce team look like at the moment? Is it a band of canny marketers? Are we seeing merchandisers in the team? Is it all about the Facebook ads? What What does a you know for a couple of million turnover brand? What does their their e-commerce team look like these days? What skill sets are making the grade?
0: I don't think there's a typical team is the first thing I would say. There's some kind of commonalities across the board. <laughs> it's probably leaner than it was 12 months ago, is, is the first thing I'd say. When the market gets a bit more competitive, either you know a macro or a micro level, as it is right now, you always see, and it's always a bit of a kind of hot topic in recruitment, a demand for more from less, right? More, more in one person than less. So I think, whereas over 2021 and 2022, you're seeing a lot of division of specialism, If it's a D2C team, obviously depends on scale, but, you know, trading, merchandising, performance marketing, growth as a, you know, separate from performance, paid, organic, PR, CRM. I think if you're a couple of million turnover business, clearly you don't have a team of that scale. But then it's just about the sliding scale of how much do you can you get from one person to cover as many of these functions as possible and that's what I come back to as a hot topic in recruitment you know it's always seen as a it's a very done thing to moan about the fact that a company's putting out an advert and it's a whole marketing department in one job function right
1: <laughs> yeah i think i've seen at least 3 of those posts on linkedin just this week people bemoaning a <laughs> job app but yeah but for a smaller company it's necessary isn't it
0: but i get it you know and it is true and you know the it's a dangerous road to go down just assuming that a marketing person does, you know, that marketing can be banded under one term or function. But the realities of many businesses is that that just has to be the case, right? So there is a bit more at the minute of, oh, we, we used to have these two people. Now we can only have one. So that one person has to do all of, what those people are doing and that's just the market does this every couple of years it's i've seen it you know sadly i'm old enough to have been through it a few times it happens you know we come out the other side of it in terms of what's really in demand you kind of touched upon that like the skill sets that are in demand and not necessarily easy to find i mean growth is one i touched upon it before but i think growth you know I won't call it growth marketing because I think often it gets banded in with performance marketing and then ends up becoming a performance marketing job. But I think true growth understanding of people who, yes, you know, have a good grasp on paid media and performance, but also product and tech and just kind of a wider view on all levers you can pull for growth. It's always hard to find.
1: It's kind of like the the owner mindset you know, you're across everything and you're just trying to work out what that key lever to pull is. And just, I'm just going to quickly define a couple of terms for anyone listening who's going, what's a what does performance mean? And what's growth and how on earth are they different? So everyone, performance marketing is Google ads, Facebook ads, anything where you're paying money for a sale and you can really analyze it. So affiliates often can be squeezed in there as well. Um, so the really solid, hard money for orders side of things and then growth as Andy was just saying is that bigger cross business what levers do we pull to grow the fastest and if you're really on a fast growth track you need someone to be taking that all encompassing approach because there's no point in your performance marketer working their socks off if your conversion rate is shocking basically that's what we're saying but I stopped you mid mid flow there Andy so no
0: I'm just glad you didn't ask me to try and explain that because you did a better <laughs> job than I would have done I think so
1: <laughs> so we're seeing uh, an increase in People wanting that that growth role, which is quite a hard one to do, because we do tend to come up in the merchandising space, or the tech space, or the marketing space. So, there is that a a space where people are really struggling to find people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because of what you say, there's no there's no linear route necessarily into it, and often it's the starting point in a lot of companies for a growth role is is fairly senior. Some companies will have you know growth execs, growth managers up to you know then on, but actually a lot of companies we'll start with a head of growth and then make it a standalone role. So if you're a candidate looking to make that career progression, there's not always an obvious route. And yeah, I think it's a role that came about really from a, it's a Silicon Valley thing originally, right? It's a tech kind of role. Growth hacking is where that kind of comes from. But actually the adoption of it within kind of consumer and e-commerce is the real thing that we've seen over the last few years. And even up to you know, hiring growth people for big brands like William Grant and Heinz, and they are looking for it. Again, goes back to what we were saying earlier, because they want a much more agile and kind of holistic skill set to look at D2C, particularly growth that they've never had historically.
1: Cool. And um, one thing we haven't mentioned at all yet, which is kind of crazy, because we spent quite a bit of time talking about how the COVID and the pandemic have impacted things. We see in the news that the hot topic is flexible working or no flexible working or half flexible working or sitting in the office. Are we seeing the move to flexible continue in the e-commerce space or is it moving back to bums on seats in the office?
0: Yeah, I think it is a bit of the latter, to be honest. And actually, we, we published a report on flexible working earlier this year, a few months ago, we spoke to 100 businesses that we work with of all kind of shapes and size and about 600 or so job seekers, I think, to get insights on it. What we saw from that is approaching 70 percent of businesses are in the office two or three days a week. So certainly that, you know, that feels like where we're heading. And then actually it's just a kind of, you know, it disperses out from there. Some are more, some are five days. They certainly don't find it easy to hire, but, you know, it does exist but i think fully remote is is harder than it you know now than it was 12 months ago to find fully remote jobs it's definitely harder
1: interesting and then one one other question for you it's a personal thing of mine i'm kind of silently hoping we're going to see all the marvelous e-commerce managers and marketers and execs and heads and directors all deciding to stop working for really bad planetary brands let's call them and moving to work for b corps and eco and sustainable and all the rest of it i have to ask you is this a pipe dream of mine or is it something you're starting to see people wanting is to be working for a business that's got more eco credentials
0: yeah and i would say i'm kind of completely with you on that as well it's not it's not something that we just focus on but certainly as a like business we you know we have a lot of interest in it and try and work with as many brands in that space as we can and also partly for us because of the reason you say because there is it's more common and I don't have any data on this but like anecdotally yes more common for people to say this is what will merely you know drive me to move something with more of a purpose and thankfully there are more of those brands around certainly so yeah I, I would agree with you. It's not a pipe dream. It'll happen.
1: X oh that's good. And it's starting to happen as well. Oh, you made me very happy, Andy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, finally, before we head towards the top tips round, for anyone listening who is about to start on their team building journey or who are about to take their team to the next level, any tips for hiring uh in twenty twenty three or any any last thoughts you'd like to leave them with?
0: Yeah, I mean tips for hiring, I would say this kind of sounds obvious but really defining what it is that you need to be delivered and how you find that out in an interview process and i as I, again it, it sounds obvious but not enough people i think truly give that enough thought before they dive into interviewing you know you get a job spec you get a org chart you kind of know what roughly what you need and you go looking for it what we've seen over the last few years is that most people who work in e-commerce have some pretty good numbers on their CV because everything's grown, right? So uh, companies are doing this more, but I would always recommend it as well. You know, that there was a period where you would interview people, you needed them quite fast, so you maybe wouldn't be super diligent about that process. You know, they've been at this brand, it grew X amount, great, we need that, come on board. Growth is much harder to come by now, nothing's growing nearly at the scale that it was, But even with those people who've been through that journey over the past few years, you know, drilling down into really, do they understand why it happened? Because I do think you could be swept along in the journey of the business was doing really well or Amazon grew so much and we, you know, were well set up to take advantage of that. But do they really understand the minutiae of, yeah, you know, these are the kind of key things that we did or I did and implemented. So it's understanding how, what that looks like for you and how you get to those to those answers. I think if you're early stage, the further thing I would say is that you, you probably don't want to be spending money with someone like me. So if you, if you don't want to be spending money with someone like me, you know, LinkedIn is obviously amazingly powerful, right? And you should be tracking the kind of people that you want to hire before you want to hire them and trying to engage with them. And I think the best founders, early stage founders that I know do this really well. It's a networking side, but it's also like tactically using LinkedIn. You can follow people, you know, you can engage with them, then they're more likely to see what you put out there. So you probably got a million and one things to do. You probably don't think you've got enough time to be trying to, you know, network on LinkedIn. But particularly as you scale and your job becomes more and more actually about hiring and getting the right people in, you can do so much of that through building a kind of an audience and a network yourself.
1: E-commerce Masterplan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Would you like to be using an e-commerce platform that's not just delivering everything you want today, but that's creating the ecosystem that will keep your ambitions ahead of the curve? then you need ShopLine, a modern commerce platform built to empower you to achieve more. Want to know more? Head along to eCommerce Expo in London, where ShopLine are exhibiting for a free demo and to get your questions answered. Find out all about that via our short link ecmp.info forward slash ShopLine. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. See you there, and if you're hearing this after eCommerce Expo, then don't worry, the link will be updated so you can catch up on all the highlights. ecmp.info forward slash shopline. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash Tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash tech. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e commerce store. It's time for the Top Tips round. Okay. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level, just like that awesome LinkedIn tip you gave our early stage listeners. Thank you so much for that one, Andy. Andy, though, are you ready for all the top tips? I am. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
0: I'm going to slightly cheat because I'm torn between a couple, but... You know there it is, in terms of like pure business books that I've read or tried to read and you know put down, I'll be honest i I never think there's anything there that I'm like, oh, that's a go to and a more kind of tactical level, and I think for me, the kind of further into my career I've got the more I'm interested in the kind of how you do business and the kind of you know call it values or mission or just the way you want to work, and being more comfortable in that, so for me without waffling more. Let My People Go Surfing is always a good one. I'm sure a lot of people would have read it from, I never remember how to really know how to pronounce his name, but Patagonia founder. There's some good business lessons in there, but more broadly about how to stick to, you know, your principles throughout every decision you make, no matter how big or small. The other one actually that I've started reading recently, so I could, maybe I shouldn't because I haven't finished it yet, but a similar kind of thing. is a book called How to Live by Derek Sivers, which is was recommended to me in his 27- Differing philosophies on how to approach how you live, which are all kind of contradictory, but it kind of concludes in. I haven't read the, book, the end yet. I don't know how it concludes. But, and again, I just think those things to me are more interesting. The principles of how you want to do business rather than the kind of tactical bits.
1: Oh, love that. I haven't come across how to live, but that does sound like a quick philosophy degree <laughs> in a very short space of time.
0: It very much is. Yeah, it is short and sweet.
1: And I, I love a hot off the press recommendation as well. Okay, traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
0: You know, obviously I can only really speak from my experience, which may not be as relevant to a lot of founders of e-commerce businesses as as us, but for us it's word of mouth. You know, word of mouth in our world is key and kind of social proof, all of that stuff, right? We We looked at it the other day and for the first six months of this year, Almost 50% of our business had come from referrals and network. For us, it's word of mouth. But what I'll add to that is it's actually having a strategy behind how you get word of mouth to be a thing, right? Because it's easy to assume that people will be an evangelist. People have had a good experience with you and they'll tell someone else, you know, lo and behold, that doesn't actually happen. So word of mouth, but with a clear plan about how you encourage people to to do that.
1: Nice, I like that. Yeah, it's so easy to go, yeah, we've got great word of mouth, but like are you influencing what people say about you when they talk about you. It's a key area, I like I like that extra tip. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
0: Again, I won't go too well on this one, I won't go too much into recruitment specifics because some of the tools we have, which you know, are helpful for us, are probably not very interesting for other people, but I actually touched upon it earlier. I think the tools available on LinkedIn that people don't necessarily use or know about, and actually just the following one, is is massive, right? If you are interested in certain people, either if you're a job seeker wanting to follow particular companies or people within those companies, there's a little bell on their profile you can follow. It updates you whenever they update anything. But equally, if you're a business looking to hire using that to build out pipelines of people and constantly getting ahead of the curve, knowing, right, we might need this type of person in six months and I'm going to start kind of getting in front of them now is is massive.
1: Yeah. It's under, uh, and we're talking about a free tool on LinkedIn, everyone. So literally you just follow someone, then you hit the little bell icon and then you'll get notified every time they do anything on on the platform, which makes it so easy to lazily network with someone. So I'm um, love, that, Andy. Thank you. The carbon top tip. What's your favourite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce store?
0: Personally, and this is maybe not quite the right answer, but it's to just, you know, for me, I'm really obsessed with buying stuff secondhand. So, you know, maybe that's not what a lot of people want to hear who have businesses that don't sell secondhand stuff. But yeah, for me, it's that. I mean, I always, with some of my siblings actually, who are same to me, we always have like challenges over periods of time that we can go without buying new clothes. And maybe people I work with will probably laugh at me now and take the piss because of that. But, you know, that like the tools available for all of that kind of stuff, Vinted is probably my go to. But, yeah, just trying to be much more considered about, you know, how you use stuff from an e-commerce perspective as a customer, from an experience perspective. I mean, I've become obsessed with small recently, so I have used small and very simple, but. I've had a few different subscriptions with them and I got an email from them recently saying this doesn't basically this makes no sense you've got three different subscriptions consolidate them all into one buy more buy in volume fewer deliveries save carbon so very simple but in terms of really understanding your customer base and delivering something that yeah, it's better for them, better for me, better for the environment. I just thought it was a nice like a great email to get.
1: That's a super cool tip because it's saving the business money and saving carbon as well. How do we how are we spelling that company?
0: Small, sorry, I dived into that assuming people knew, but S M O L.
1: S M O L. Right. Well, we'll have to go and have a look at that. And um and I think that the second-hand purchasing team t- uh, tip even totally relevant to the business community. Do we need to buy all new tech for people or do we buy refurbished? Do we buy new office furniture or do we buy refurbished? So yeah, great advice. Thank you, Andy. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media if they've got any questions about recruitment?
0: Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. I actually... Really should know this, but I don't know what my LinkedIn handle is, so you'll have to put it in the uh, in the notes or something, Chloe. Um, we will. But I blabber away on LinkedIn quite a bit. I'm I'm pretty visible there, so yeah, come and find me and connect. And yeah, from my side, my I'm always kind of very happy to to give advice and chat wherever possible. So if people want to get in touch with me, there, that's probably the best way. Our main website, we've got two brands, but the best one to go to is vertical-advantage.com
1: vertical-advantage.com, everyone, to go and um, check out what Andy's up to. And there are some amazing reports they've put together for you to go and download from there to to swat up as well. Andy, thank you so much for being on the eCommerce Master Plan podcast. It's been awesome getting to chat with a listener, especially when you've shared so much brilliant advice about recruitment. So thank you so much for being here.
0: Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: So fascinating dive into a different aspect of the e-commerce world there. I think Andy gave us some great tips in many different areas, some great things to think about as well. Clearly the the shift to working for more sustainable or purpose-driven businesses is happening. So time to get that clear on your About Us pages and your hiring pages. We've got that whole piece around flexibility and people are, offering fewer flexible jobs, but from reading between the lines what Andy's saying, a lot of the employees want that still. So if you've got a good policy on that, make sure that's up there front and centre. And loads of bits and pieces for you to dive into there in terms of what's going on in the industry and the sort of hiring practices that's going on. I think his money ball idea or analogy was really clever. In this current hiring scenario, if you are clever about your hiring process, if you get really clear on what you want, you create a job description that really clearly outlines that to the people you're going after, you put in a bit of legwork to connect with the people who've done it and who've provedly done it, but who haven't got the inflated salaries, then you could pick up some really awesome people who are perfect for you at a price that's very affordable. Make them sound like cabbages there, Um, anyway. To get your hands on our notes from this episode, including the top tips and links to what we were talking about, head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or go direct to the right page on the website using our short link, ECMP, that's short for masterplan.info forward slash whatever the number of this episode is. When you get to the website, please also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning to this and every episode of the eCommerce Master Plan podcast. A little reminder for you, you are listening carbon guilt free because this is a carbon positive podcast. That means we've bought the carbon credits to offset all our production, distribution, and you listening to it right now. So you've just listened to this episode, carbon guilt free. So enjoy. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more
0: at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.
1: Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce masterplan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash That's ecmp.info forward slash tech. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e commerce store.